Welcome, everyone, to Issue 28 of the Paper Cuts Podcast. I'm your host for this morning. My name is Dan Ryan, and with me this week... Uh, Terry McGinnis. Wait, what? Oh, Dean DeFalco. That's what it is. Okay, got it. There. Got it. Much better. Good morning, Dean. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm sitting back, relaxing, as you do all the heavy lifting for today. I'm, I'm taking the day off as host. Dan, you're the new host. All right. Well... Let me know how I did at the uh, at the end of the show here. And listeners, send us comments at geekade.com. You should. We definitely should. So we've got a lot to talk about this week. It's been a relatively controversial week here uh, here in the world of comic books. Some things going on with, with Batgirl, some things going on with some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, apparently you read some uh, some Future's End, Dean. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we start there before we jump into the the bit heavier topics and uh what's going on in the world of futures end well i mean um there's this future and uh it's coming <laughs> and it's to coming an to an end yeah. yeah good to know that's uh that's about the book uh well okay so basically the last time we talked about this uh you know the terry mcginnis bat uh, batman beyond uh batman is trying to go back in time and stop this huge cataclysmic event from happening that started by Brother Eye, Batman's awesome spy satellite that he thinks is the coolest thing ever. You know, it's funny because they've written two stories about this satellite going insane and trying to destroy everything. You think they just dismantle it by now, but no, he's like, Brother Eye's awesome. It's so cool. How could it go wrong? I'll tell you how. There's Infinite Crisis. Now we're doing Future's End. That both lead to world-changing events. To uh, to a convergence of worlds, one might say. Oh yes, yes. Good, good catch. Good catch. Anyway, uh, basically, what, what? That's why I'm the host. Yes, that's why you're the host. That's why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> anyway, uh, they um, Ter- Terry's trying to stop this whole Brother Eye thing from happening. Brother Eye's already partially in control. Uh, there's some really crazy shit going on at Terrific, Terrific Tech, uh, which is Mr. Terrific's big, like, Apple conglomerate that he owns. And Bruce and Mr. Terrific are sitting there trying to figure out how to stop any more damage from being done. But Brother Eye is taking complete control of all these, like, iPad things and crazy-ass robots that are starting to infect people and turn them into robots and stuff. It's really crazy. Uh, but Terry finally tries to get to Bruce to tell him, you know, what what he can do to stop this. Except that crazy ass zombie Batman from the future that has Joker's head on one side and Bruce's head on the other comes in to kill Terry and sort of succeeds. Pops a bunch of slugs right into Terry's chest. Terry manages to throw the thing out the window, so that's that. And Bruce is like, "I'm sorry." And a lot of good that does. You just shot the poor kid in the chest. I don't think sorry really covers it, but oh my bad, man. Yeah, like nah, not cool. Kind of like uh, kind of like Pulp Fiction. Pretty much, yeah. When John Travolta shoots Marvin in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of just right. like that. But um, it, you know, it, it's it's like really, <laughs> you know, forty six issues with this guy, and you want to kill him off? Oh, all right, fine. I'll see where this goes. And then, you know, it gets to this, like, really, they're they're trying to add the realness into it. Uh, Plastique, who's, like, Terry's sort of love interest in this book, is like, no, no, I'll get a doctor, it'll be okay. And she's, like, touching his bullet holes and stuff, and he's like, no, please don't leave. 
I want the last thing I see to be your face. And I'm like, bro, really? Dude. Yeah. So, Come on. They're, they're, they're cashing in the cheese on that a little bit, but whatever. Uh, book pretty much ends off with Brother I being like, I fucked up your only chance. What you gonna do now, bitches? And Terry dead on the ground with plastic crying and and uh, Tim Drake in the background covering his face because he's crying too. So, yeah, it's, um, I don't know where this is going anymore. I, I told you guys, like, I wanted to wait to the end. It's, it's not as bad as I said it was, but it's definitely gone out in too many directions because every book, they have to fucking fill in, like, three different storylines. If they stuck to just the main one, this book would have been over in 20 issues. But no, we need to hear what happens with fucking uh, uh, Grifter. And we need to figure out what happens with fucking Superman, even though he already saved the planet. Now he's just hanging out, chilling with Lois, and is like, listen, I'm back now. And then we need to figure out what happens with Girl Firestorm, because because that's a thing. So, yeah. Please, please tell me her name is not girl firestorm no 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 well okay well the the running joke in this fucking book is that oh isn't firestorm a guy and that's literally what every person says when they're like hey firestorm saved us wait a minute isn't firestorm a guy every fucking page she's in and i'm like is this is this the new running joke is this is this it is this what we're going with this the the massive amount of ammunition you guys got so yeah i mean I'm happy that it's sort of coming to an end and everything's molding together in a way. But, again... You're happy that you're not going to have to read it soon. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like... The main storyline is what I like about it with Brother Eye and everything. And if there was more of a focus on that, it would have been a way better book. Like, I, when you read Infinite Crisis, Infinite Crisis is strictly just all the stuff that happened with, uh, with Brother Eye and, you know, him taking over and everything... And that's that's the book. There's there's no other storylines going on, and that's the problem. There's other things going on in this book that they cut all the action to deal with, and that's sort of a bummer. So yeah, I mean that that sounds like. I mean we've talked about it before. Like these these books, these month or not month long, but year long books, are really hard to do because inevitably what you're going to have happen is a lot of story padding a lot of stuff that you might not necessarily care about and in a regular book it's the stuff that would happen uh in the gutters right it's the stuff that would happen in the white space in between the panels right but when when you've got 52 weeks to fill up there is nothing that happens in between the panels you just get every single little bit of story that you can and that's that's just really hard to make to just make interesting I'll tell you what, I give Brian Azzarello credit because there's a lot of shit in this book, like, just packed in. And I guess it's his job to do that, but, yeah, you know, it's it's tough to be like, all right, well, now I got to write this shit about 50 Sue, this maniacal little girl that just wants a mom. And I that, that storyline is fucking weird, and I don't particularly love it. But whatever, I got to take the good with the bad, I guess, right? Yeah, well, I, that's kind of the nature of those books, man. When you got so much going on, there's there's bound to be something you don't like, I suppose. Yep, yep. All right, well, I am going to jump over to the non-controversial book that I read this week, and then we can jump into uh, to the rest of the stuff here. 
if if you don't mind. Go go right ahead. All right. So one of the books that I read this week uh, was a new image title from uh, Mark Millar doing the uh, the writing and co-creating on this book and Sean, Sean Gordon Murphy as the artist. It's got colors by Matt Hollingsworth, who's always really good. And uh, there's a bunch of different, like there were a bunch of variant covers that came out, but Matero Scalera and Declan Shalvey and the, uh, the usual suspects for, for a new image launch. And the book itself is Chrononauts number one. Just looking at the cover for this book, I was like, yeah, right on. This book is totally for me. I can tell, you know, the, even without knowing who the creators were, just looking at it, you got some some schmarmy looking assholes in, uh, in time travel looking suits and a bunch of spacey things going on. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm in. The, the art itself is, was kind of sketchy on the cover, kind of the way Murphy does his, uh, does his work. And just looked like it was going to be a, a super solid book. And spoilers for the rest of what I'm going to talk about. It was a super solid book. Mark Millar, he's not the most loved creator on the planet. Mostly because he's somewhat of an outspoken dude. And has kind of rubbed some people the wrong way with some of the things that he said um, about the comics medium. And, and about the way he, he approaches his business and whatnot. But uh, he is just a damn good writer and does not write bad comics. This one in particular, it starts off with a bunch of people uh, standing around this, this big cave in Turkey. And the conversation is about this thing that they found that is older than Stonehenge by about 6,000 years. That's and, pretty old. Yeah, you know, pretty old. So they're talking about how you know, this, this thing is, this is really old. It's before the time of tools. It's before the time of pottery. And you flip over to the next page and it's like an F F 16 fucking fighter jet with missiles and bombs and all types of shit just in this cave. And it's like, uh, okay. Um, sure. That makes sense. So apparently there was a society that was worshiping this fighter jet that has no business being there. We then jump to my former state of residence, uh, Texas, in the book, and we've got two scientists talking to each other, but they're not your typical nerdy, pushing up the glasses uh, scientists. These are rock star scientists, which is kind of the new, uh, the new trope that's been happening in a lot of, uh, in a lot of media, these, these kind of ridiculously attractive young men who also happen to be doctors and are kind of, you know, they're like the jocks of the scientist world. It, it's somewhat of a weird trope, but it is becoming a trope nonetheless. You've got these two guys that are talking to each other, kind of looking around uh, at some of these things that they have been finding, uh, motorcycles that are thousands of years old, speedboats. Uh, they, they say that they found a fleet of sports cars sports cars beneath uh, the Mayan temples and this guy's like look I know I know we're on the right track you know we're building this time machine right now like they they the time machine starts off as a satellite so we cut to a scene which would appear to be you know maybe a couple months later maybe a couple weeks later of them send, sending the satellite through time and space and 
it gets to Gettysburg during the Civil War. And everybody is watching their televisions at home. Uh, well, I say at home, there is one scene that's kind of funny. It's at a strip club, and uh, everybody has stopped, like even the dancers are in, in mid-gyration, are staring at this, the, the television screen that's in the bar, because the satellite is broadcasting footage of the Civil War back to the modern day. <clears throat> well, that's something. Yeah, I, you can imagine the shitstorm that that would cause, right? I mean, you know, that very idea that time and space exists in a wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey thing, and you could go back and, and broadcast footage of the Civil War is just this kind of really mind-blowing, uh, really just mind-blowing idea to, to see what was going on. So we jump forward a little bit. The scientists are talking. They're like, this is going to be amazing. 18 months from now, we're going to do our first manned mission back to wherever. So we cut 18 minutes later. These guys are given a press conference. There's a little bit of a, uh, a tongue-in-cheek moment of, you know, we're building a time machine. And as you can see, my earlier prototypes were not really all that sleek. And like off to the side of this panel, there's a DeLorean and there's the time machine from the, the mo movie and book, The Time Machine. Um, there is Bill and Ted's phone booth is, is over on the <laughs> side. So it's like, right, that's funny. That's cute. And he says, no, no, no. You can see that these were kind of impractical ways to travel through time. That's why I hired my, my boy Danny here. And he, is, he has designed these chrono suits. And that's what we're wearing right now is our, is our time travel device. And aren't they fantastic? Now, as you can imagine, things are about to come off the rails because otherwise this would be a very short comic book series. Guy comes in and the lead scientist calls his ex-wife and says, you know, I'm sorry. Um, now that I'm about to travel through time, I kind of realized that I sacrificed most of, uh, most of my life to get to this point. I sacrificed you. I sacrificed my relationships and, uh, and I'm sorry, you deserved a better husband. And, uh, I, I sorry, I suck. And she's like, Oh, okay. Uh, you feel like something's going to go, uh, something's going to go wrong, dude. The guy's name is Corbin. Fucking um, Corbin. Fucking Corbin says, you know, you feeling, feeling like something's going to go wrong. Corbin. He's like, no, I just, uh, you know, just feeling like this is kind of the biggest moment of my life, and uh, I have nobody to miss. Is this last name Dallas? I hope so. I don't know. They didn't. Corbin Dallas. I don't. <laughs> we see the uh, the other scientist, Danny, is uh, is making out with this this girl. Um, you know, he says, "I'm going to marry that girl when I get back." He's known her for like a week, and uh, he's got a really nice line. He says, "I swear to God, I'm going to marry that girl when I get back." Other scientist Corbin says, you've known her for five days. Danny's response to that is, I didn't say it was going to last, um, <laughs> which is just kind of a really awesome line. So we jump to these guys about to enter the portal and they're about to travel through time and they're going to go back and see Christopher Columbus landing in America. That's some pretty serious shit. Right. And you know, like my, my hope is that in the world of this comic book, they expose Columbus for the murdering fuckhead that he was. 
that's a whole other podcast, though. We can talk about revisionist history another day. The murder cast. Um, <laughs> murder cast. Check us out in a couple weeks. Brought to you by your friends at Geek Aid. Um, so he's jumping back. They're going to go see Columbus, 1492, landing on the shores of America. Corbin jumps through the portal and, as is wont to do, gets knocked off course and ends up way where he should not be, right? Danny, the other scientist, is, I'm going in there. That's my friend. I need to go, I need to go get him back. Get the fuck out of my way, right? I'm a, I'm, this is just, you know, a buddy action movie at this point. I got to go save him, right? And they're like, all right, fine. Fuck it. Get in there. You're the best qualified person. <laughs> go in there. Get it. Get him back. And uh, where he ends up is in Samarkand in 1504. And as soon as this, uh, as soon as Danny pops out of the time portal, he gets shot through the knee with an arrow in a very, uh, a very Skyrim. Stop. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Took an arrow to the knee. He fucking like looks up at the sky and and just has this like just screams and there's these warlords and and you know warriors just on horseback charging right at him and his big response is shit and that is where the book ends well i mean taking an arrow to the knee is a pretty serious thing <laughs> so it's in typical mark millar fashion there's it's a really funny book in like the dialogue and reactions between the characters there's some of the you know like i said there's the funny joke there's like oh look it's the delorean and bill and ted's time machine and you know that's kind of cute the arrow to the knee thing that's that's all very cute but overall i mean it's a really solid book i was i was really entertained by it definitely worth the money definitely excited to see where this thing is going to go like i said mark millard does not write bad books you know, this isn't going to do anything if you're not a fan of Mark Millar. This isn't going to bring you over to be like, oh, never mind. I totally understand why everybody loves this guy. But if you are a Mark Millar fan or have at least liked one or two of the things that he's done that you have read, you know, maybe you've read Wanted or, or Kick-Ass or Hit-Girl or MPH or any of a number of the books that he's he's written, this is, you know, kind of right up right up with that. The artwork was great. The coloring was great. I mean, it's at this point, I don't know that Image puts out bad books. So I, they might not all be for for me. Like I might not love every single thing that they do, but every single thing that they do is a really good book and is going to be worth your money. Shout out to Dean and Dan. Big fans of Mark Millar. <laughs> big, big fans. Actually, I really hope that Mark Millar is a fan of the show. I'm not going to lie. You know what? After uh, after Garden State Comic Fest, they'll all be fans of the show. Well. Every single one of them. He probably won't be there, but. He probably not. But you know who will be there? Who's that? CP Dubs! CP Dubs. Big fan. Biggest fan. <laughs> biggest fan of the show. Perhaps the biggest fan of the You're right. Yes. So, yes. Chrononauts number one. Uh, definitely pick it up. Definitely worth it. So, okay. Now that we've got those two things out of the way, should we jump in to the controversial waters that is the latest issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yes, sure. Um, okay, before, so, before we get too far in, 
far into that. Um, essentially, I was reading through just trying to catch up, and I, I didn't get to the issue that I wanted to, but I already know what happens. Uh, so I'll let Dan talk about that in a second. But as I was reading through uh, the book, and it got to... Uh, the the pinnacle of one of the previous events. Um, there's this part where Shredder's talking to like all the gangs brought together, and the turtles crash the party. And sure enough, there is a um cameo of Walter White with his Heisenberg hat on, <laughs> staring. And I'm like, I am I the only one that saw this is this is real. This is a thing. They they literally took him. Out of Breaking Bad and put it, it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. It made me so incredibly happy. I just thought I had to mention that for anyone that hasn't read Turtles. Heisenberg shows up, so you should definitely read the book. Yeah, that's that's not a bad uh, a bad recommendation. All right, so <clears throat> truth be told, and spoilers uh, for anybody who has not read this book yet uh, or who cares about that sort of thing, go go read up to issue forty four. That is the issue in question. Then come back and listen to what we have to say about it. So, uh, I uh, truth be told, I have not read any of this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles run. It, I know that Kevin Eastman is back kind of consulting on the book, and that makes me really happy. But with the amount of things that come out every week and the amount of new stuff that Image continues to put out, I only have so much room. So, Ninja Turtles just didn't make the cut. The only reason I read this issue is because the interwebs lost their collective fucking mind on Wednesday and Thursday about the issue in question. And to to all of you listening who may be in that camp of people who lost their mind, I have I have something that hopefully will make you feel better. And that is Donatello's not fucking dead. I thought you were going to say meth. Did, well, sh- yeah, that's off air. Off air. <laughs> okay, of course. Prank caller, prank caller. <laughs> um, he's not dead, okay? In issue 44, Bebop and Rocksteady have been given orders from the Shredder to kill Donatello because Donatello has fucked with the Shredder shit enough and almost almost killed Shredder by sending him into, like, the Krang army or some shit. The Technodrome is, is active and ready to, to terraform all life on Earth. And Donatello got in the way, sent Shredder away. So Shredder's like, fuck him, kill him. Right? And then we get a bunch of panels of Bebop and Rocksteady beating the ever-loving shit out of Donatello. Like, and really quite violently beating the shit out of him. Uh, Metalhead is there being piloted by a scientist that I have no idea who Harold! Is, but... Yeah, Harold. Who the fuck is Harold? It's, it's, I've never it's read It's Donatello's... Be- they're BFFs, bro. Okay. Sure. That works for me. He's Donatello's best friend. Harold is piloting Metalhead. Uh, Rocksteady ends up ripping off one of Metalhead's uh, arms. And kind of beats the shit out of the robot, which made me really sad because I really love Metalhead. And they throw Donatello into a wall. Donatello's laying on the ground. Uh, Rocksteady comes over. Bebop's like beating the shit out of him. Rocksteady says, hold on. 
don't uh, leave some for me, comes over and with a sledgehammer, cracks Donatello's shell open, right? Hits him in the back. And they have this, this somewhat reflective moment after they do so. And uh, they say, you know, did it, did you think that he would look like that inside there? Um, he's like, nope, that's gross. Karai comes over the radio, says, let's, you know, get out of here. We're under attack. And the panel is just left with, uh, with Metalhead crawling over to Donatello. The only thing we can see of him is his arm, and it's a little bit bloody. <clears throat> so they go through the rest of the issue. Uh, the, the other three turtles are fighting Krang, uh, but Krang, like we know Krang, not necessarily the TV show version where it's just the brain in the robotic suit. They beat the shit out of him because, you know, good guys always win. Uh, Splinter is fighting Karai and a squirrel and some robot woman. Alloplexed. God damn it. Come on, Dan. <laughs> I, like I said, this is the first issue of this book that I read. All right. So Alloplex, who is a cool looking design. Is it a squirrel? Fox. It's a fox. Yeah, she's okay. white with like purple face paint. Yeah. 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 Fox. I don't know. I went, uh, yeah, I can see it now. Now that I'm looking, there's at there's it, a but... lot of weird mutants. Like I don't know if they showed Bludgeon and Koya, nope. but uh, nope, they're both really really cool. One's a hammerhead shark, and the other one's like a fucking eagle. All right, yeah, no, they are in there. They are in there. They're they work for Shredder though. Yeah, they're bad guys. Okay, yeah, they're trying to get Shredder out as the uh, as the surface is being terraformed. Um. They're they're trying to get the master out. They keep saying they. Don't, I don't think they said their names in here though. So yeah, they they peace out and uh, like kind of leave Shredder to die on the island. Uh, Shredder is then rescued by a Baxter Stockman Flyborg, a robot uh, fly thing. Uh, they fly him away, drop him into a speedboat, and Stockman says, "You know, your new partner. I saved you." There is one really nice panel where as the turtles are fighting the Krang robot, uh, Raphael shoves a sigh through the robot's face. And to kind of finish him off, Leonardo comes up and jump kicks the sigh through the rest of the robot. But the way that the panel is drawn, it they actually remembered to include the sigh going through. That's pretty Which awesome. doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, you're yeah right. it's, it was a really well done panel. It was like, oh, you're attention to what you do that's really nice um they they bust out the krang thing there's this other little robot there that is like deprogramming the terror drone some weird yellow robot i don't know what he is to they, be honest they... donnie probably just made that okay probably they they transport uh this little yellow robot transports krang uh back to uh neutrino and he's going to stand trial uh, for that. They call that this robot is called like Professor Honeycut. Oh, oh, shit. it's the Fugitoid. Yeah, the Fugitoid. I don't know what that means. But, uh, well, okay. yeah, uh, uh, Professor Honeycut is long story. I'll shorten it for you guys. Uh, Professor Honeycut goes from this whole like Krang plot that's going on. He's the good guy that's fighting for the rebels that can. He's the only person that can disable the the terror drone and or technodrome sorry and 
basically brings. I think I back. said terror. Terror. Well, Sorry. same shit. It's 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 a big fucking circle that terraforms things. Um. So he big fucking circle. Well, I'm I'm talking about the '80s. Oh well. Uh. But yeah, he can he can stop all this from happening. Uh. But he's a neutrino, so uh. He brought his consciousness into this robot called the Fugitoid that can uh is more indestructible to things and he can't be noticed as Professor Honeycutt if he looks like a fucking robot. So, uh yeah, long story short, he can transfer his uh consciousness to other robots so he can go ahead and dismantle things and not physically be there. All right. That makes sense? Yeah, sure. No, that makes as much sense as, you know, talking turtles do. So, uh, like I'm in that that works for me. Uh so yeah, so Professor Honeycutt, Fugitoid, transports him back to uh, to Neutrino. All the guys with the weird hair, they're there, there. He's going to go through trial or whatever. It then jumps to to the big pivotal scene. And Alaplex and Angel, I think is the robot girl's name. Like she said, she's not a robot. Oh, she yeah, yeah, with suit. the suit, yeah. Yeah, she looked like a robot at first and whatever. Yeah, she, her name's Angel. Yeah, okay, so they're like, we tried to get here. I'm sorry. Uh, and the turtles just look and, um, you know, she says, uh, Angel says, we tried to help him. It was too late. And the final panel of the book is, is really nicely done, but it's the, the, the three turtles standing around Alaplex, Metalhead, Angel and Splinter. Uh, most of them are crying and they have Donatello laying in Splinter's lap. His eyes are closed. There's some blood coming out of his mouth. His shell is all bloody. And it just says, Splinter just says, my poor brave son. And that is where the issue ends. And the internet blew up and was like, they fucking killed Donatello, son of a bitch. How could they, they didn't fucking kill Donatello. They never say he's dead, first of all. That he is a really, like, smart scientist, second of all. So he's going to fix his he's own gonna shell. He's going to fucking solder some metal plating to his shell. Yeah. be good as new. He's going to be fine. They're not going to continue on, like, just, they're not going to continue on with a Ninja Turtles book without one of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. That doesn't make any sense. Now, if I'm wrong, I will fully come back on this podcast and admit to everybody that I am wrong. But the, he's not dead. I'd, I'd like to think, yeah, kill him. he's not dead. If they didn't say it, he ain't dead. You know? Yeah, and they never say it. They just say, is he Oh no, my poor brave son. That's it. Is he fucked up? Absolutely. That leads to some relatively interesting storytelling and some things that you can do with Donatello now, now that he has a weakness to exploit in the future. Or he can turn this into an advantage and do some technological shit with it. Who knows? I mean, it's an emotional thing, but I feel kind of cheated out of it because the reaction that I saw was not you should really read issue 44 of Ninja Turtles. It's pretty nuts. That would have been fine because then I would have read this with, you know, with the expectation that some crazy shit was going to happen. And then when I got to the final page, I would have been emotionally impacted by it. But the reactions that I saw were, were what the fuck? I'm never reading Ninja Turtles again. This is fucking stupid. How could they do this? And then reading it, it was like, uh, well, obviously he's not like, it's it's a comic book. They're not they're not gonna kill him. And even if they did, it's a comic book. He ain't dead for long. Week. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So like it, this is one of those situations where I really feel that the, the geek rage that we all feel about shit sometimes and the passion that we have for these things really got in the way and kind of did this story a disservice, you know? And again, this is my opinion as somebody who does not read the Ninja Turtles book, you know, this people like, I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll pick it up. Fine. Cause they killed Donatello, but I would have been, I would have been happier to pick this book up if it had just been like, you really need to read this book. We're not going to say what happens, but holy shit, you need to read this book. That is the type of thing that would get me to continue to be a reader of this book. Like, as it stands right now, I'll read this issue and probably the next one uh, just to see if he comes back. And if he's not back yet, I still probably won't care all that much because just the 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 hype surrounding it just didn't li live up to it. You know what I mean? Well, I, I was a little upset when, you know, everyone's saying, oh, you know, it, normally when there's an article posted about this type of shit online, it's like, oh, spoilers ahead. No, just fucking everyone's out and saying Donatello's dead and shit. And I'm like, I don't even want to read the fucking book anymore, man. Like, you, you, I, I'm not caught up, you know, so I didn't click yeah. on anything. It's just in my fucking news feed as, oh, he's dead. Can't believe he's dead. This sucks. And I'm, I'm like, really? You know, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, it's like, look, guys, it, it, you're ruining things. Like, I fucking hate spoilers. It's my least favorite thing. You know, and, and I know, like, some people don't care and, and they're fine with it and whatever, but I really fucking hate spoilers. So to, to see that sort of thing and then to actually read the book and be like, why do any of you think he's dead? They never say he's dead. True story. Like, when Superman died, the fucking line in the book is in that was a day that a Superman died. That's pretty fucking clear. And even as clear as that was, still back six months later. You know what I mean? So He was sleeping. He took a nap. Yeah, he just needed to recharge his solar battery. Underground. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. Well, but, but you see what I'm saying. Like, it was very explicitly stated that that was where he died. Not, you know, like I understand. When, when characters die, they make a big point of like, Wow, fucking Charles Xavier's dead. Cyclops killed him. What a prick. You know? No, and exactly. Yeah, Don, Donnie's not dead, especially because they broke his shell. They didn't stab him. His head's not lopped off or something. I got it. He, he, took, he took a big blow. You break open a turtle shell. Turtle shells are unbreakable. That's, that's, that's what the Ninja Turtles are. Their shells are just battering rams. They broke it. I got it. It's, it's not cool. He ain't dead, though. So, tell me about the rest of the book, though. Give me a little, like, should I be reading this book? Because I know friend of the show, Chris Randazzo, host of the Stone Age Gamer podcast, uh, which you can find on geekaid.com. I know Chris is a huge fan of this book. I know that this is the book that he, you know, loves really kind of above all else. Is this a thing I should be reading every month? All right, well, let, let me let me tell you a little story real quick. Let me uh let me uh think a little back here. So, when I first started at uh the the comic book shop that Chris and I worked at together, um 
I really didn't read that many comic books because I was just getting back into stuff. So Chris being the nice guy he was, he was like, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some books to read and, you know, you just pick them up when they come out. And I was like, okay, man, that sounds cool. So the first two books he told me to get was one was Chew and the other one was Ninja Turtles. Now, obviously, I've heard of Ninja Turtles. I've watched the cartoon. I never read the comic books. So I was like, yeah, all right, I'm intrigued. I'll, I'll buy it. I like the Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles are great. I, those movies were like my favorite when I was a kid. So I gave it a shot. Uh, he was not wrong in, you know, g- making me read that book. Um, basically, what it is is... They, they mutate and everything like they normally do with the ooze and stock gen is the ones that have the ooze and everything. That's all that shit is involved. But they add a new point to it because essentially uh, Shredder and Splinter are two like ancient um, samurai uh, uh, Bushidos, I think they call them. Is that, that right? Uh-huh. And uh, it, it could be. I don't know. A Bushido is a thing. I um, I think I'm correct. Uh, and uh, what happens is Shredder's jealous of Splinter way back in the day because Splinter has, um, you know, the girlfriend, the family and all that. And Shredder's just a lowly second in command. And when Splinter wants to leave the clan to go raise his family, Shredder takes over, gets really pissed off, calls him a traitor. Straight up fucking ganks all his kids and everything, kills his wife, and then ends after Splinter has to watch all that, he fucking kills Splinter. Fast oh, forward to now. What a prick. Yeah, fa- fast forward to now. Uh, essentially, uh, the, the, the book's kind of tied in, like, with a bit of spirituality and, like, uh, you know, fate and all that. So uh, Splinter and uh, these turtles, the, the rat and the turtles, are all endowed with uh, the the these spirits past memories so splinter is um hamato yoshi which is the the old bushido and the kids are uh the the turtle are are his kids so they all have their memories uh and the the book basically goes from there when shredder comes back he comes back with a witch who is able to give him like undying life and everything he's he's more or less immortal to to an extent like she basically brought back his soul, put him in a new body, and he can die, but I mean the fact he's he's sort of like a zombie, I guess you'd call it. I okay. it's close to that. And he's back to take over uh the New York and then the world with his new uh samurai clan, the foot. So uh it's Splinter's job to stop him because uh Oroku Saki, I believe that's Shredder's real name, uh, finds out that Splinter is, in fact, the reincarnated version of his old um, rival slash friend. So once Shredder finds that out, it's literally his one and only desire to take him out. And then, you know, you throw in things like General Krang coming in and Splitter, uh, Splinter. Shredder makes a pact with him that, like, hey, listen... You can go ahead and terraform everything as long as I get a piece of it. And when the book first starts, that's a you know Crang's uh, cool with that and everything. And then it turns out that Crang realizes that Shredder fucked him over in the past, like way long ago. And it it's a it's a really crazy plot to be honest. Like past the basis of 
you know, Shredder and Splinter are two old school samurais battling it out in common day as a, or modern day, sorry, not common day, modern day as two, like, one's a mutant, the other one's like a resurrected zombie. It makes less and less sense as I go on. To be honest, you got to read it. But there's the the thing is, it's such an original story and plot. There is certainly nothing else like that. They took the turtles and they revamped it to such a new level that you know it just made my jaw drop. And to be honest, each issue I read only makes me want to read it more. Like uh, where I'm, I think I got to issue thirty five before I had to stop for today's um thirty six actually for today's um podcast and. I didn't want to put it down. I'm I'm totally into this book. It's so much fun to read. They have these really cool micro series too, like the villains and heroes micro series that explain a lot of the backstory to the characters as well, whether it be the turtles separately, any of the villains. Um, you get a lot of the side characters too that come up in the book. You also get uh, there is a I, I can't remember the name of the micro series, but there is one that actually explains the whole beginning to Oroku Saki and Hamato Yoshi's rivalry. So you get to find out why they hate each other so much. And, you know, it's essentially I was giving you a bit of a spoiler by telling you what happens to the kids and everything, but you need that to figure out what the fuck's going on in the book if you're just going to read the main story. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest, Dan, I'd read it. Uh, Chris always makes good calls when it comes to comic books, especially for, like, just readers getting back into it. It's such a fun, crazy, cool book. I, I, oh, it's like one of my favorites easily. Uh, well, all right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I might. I'm not twisting your arm, Dan. Back. Don't, don't get no, me wrong. No, I mean, I mean, because I love the Ninja Turtles. You know what I mean? And like, I really liked the art in the book and the writing was good and whatever. I was just, these sort of things, um, as, as a geek myself, these sort of things just really annoy me when when people just have this this kind of crazy overreaction to something. Oh, of course. That like it it's just come on guys. Everybody chill the fuck out a little bit. Right. Right. And, which kind of leads us into our I think our last topic um here for the day unless you had anything else you wanted to No, to add no, about let's, that. let's let's do this. All right. Our last topic here for the day is the Variant cover to Batgirl 41 that DC has pulled. Now, I'm a big fan of this new Batgirl book, the new direction that they have taken with it. They have done some really interesting things with the character. They have made her a an interesting super heroine without making her like, Oh, look, it's Power Girl, and she has boob window, and that's why people buy the book, because, you know, cleavage. Damn titties. Damn titties, right. Which is, unfortunately, what a lot of female superhero comics are. It's, you know, it, it is just cheesecake. And that is not what this book is. There has been a lot of work done with the Barbara Gordon character to make her a relevant part of the DC universe. And this cover in question... Here's here's my issue with it. DC pulled the cover that depicted it, it was an homage to the killing joke. Now, if, if you don't know what the killing joke is, back in the 80s, Alan Moore wrote this Batman story that has gone on to become one of the most revered Batman stories that there that has ever been. 
And in The Killing Joke, the Joker is trying to prove a point. His point is that a bad day is what separates heroes and villains. One bad day and how you handle it. So in in order to prove this point to Gotham City and specifically to Batman and Commissioner Gordon, uh, Joker shows up at Barbara Gordon's house and shoots her in the spine and paralyzes her and then takes some sexually suggestive pictures of her on the floor and sends them to her father and to try and drive him insane and show him that like, this is what I did to you. You are now going to become a, you know, whatever you're going to become. Your reaction to this is going to determine your one bad day and how you handle it so that you can see that I'm, I don't know if it, if it was that you can see that I'm really not all bad or that, or, or whatever. Um, there's a pretty ambiguous ending to the killing joke, uh, whether or not Batman ends up, uh, killing the Joker at, at the end of that book. Um, I have always kind of thought that he did, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it was an Elseworlds story that, wasn't really an Elseworlds story, but it became an Elseworlds thing insofar as DC took bits and pieces of it and made some of it canon and some of it is not canon. And Alan Moore being very fucking Alan Moore and very pretentious and high and mighty. Now, I don't even it's popular. Like, that's, that's not a good book. I don't, I don't it's like not that even, book. Yeah, it's not even, I didn't even do a good job. Watchmen, I, I mean, what, what's Watchmen? Stuff. I mean, I, I wrote that when I was taking a shit on the toilet. I mean, I don't, I don't, who, who even, Swamp Thing, fuck, what, I, I just, my, my four-year-old did that. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Shout out to hopefully not a big fan of the show. Alan, Alan Moore. Moore <laughs> with your pretentious ass. Um, you know, he's gone on to say, yeah, that it's not a good book and whatever. So after, after this book comes out, Barbara Gordon was kind of forgotten about until, uh, until a couple creators got together and decided to make her Oracle and got her to be this really cool and integral part of the DC universe. And, and isn't she a cool character? And she's a superhero because she's smart, not because, you know, she fights and whatever. And she's a, Oracle's a very cool character and they've done a lot of really great work with her. And when the new 52 rebooted and she's out of the wheelchair and now she's back to being Batgirl and this new direction where she's in college and, and there's just, it's a fun book now. And, and all of that is great. And I do fully support that. I really do. This cover though is an homage to that, that story. And it's got the Joker in his beach wear, his beach attire that he was wearing in the killing joke, uh, standing behind Batgirl in her newer costume and he's drawing a joker smile on her face uh in blood and she is looking absolutely terrified and the fan reaction to this has been relatively mixed between people like me who are like it's an alternate cover one it's an alternate and and that's the end of it and you know the second thing is two it's a cool alternate cover despite what people say i get what he was trying to do like people can hate this it was an homage to the story yeah and i i think it's it's a very you know i despite what people will say you know it's 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 a nice tribute to you know that story if you're saying the context is a little rough i get it you know especially because there is some sexually 
explicit things that could have happened that we don't know if they happened or not, but the fact is they're there. And people got a little butt hurt that, you know, this, this, you know, why, why is he, why is he bringing up stuff like this? You know, uh, you know, this, this isn't, this isn't appropriate and blah, blah, blah. This is from a darker time. You know, why, why does someone have to do a cover like this? And I'm like, why wouldn't he do a cover like this? This is, this is one of the biggest, if, if you're making a fucking what to read for Batman, the killing joke is on there. Like that's mm-hmm. not a book that's skipped over. So to be honest, if for any comic book reader who likes Batman knows exactly what that cover is, and they shouldn't be, you know, stunned by the fact that he drew it. It's 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 a, a notable cover. You know, and uh I heard there were death threats and stuff, but I heard there were death threats threatening the people who wanted to take it down, which I feel is even more crazy. Like, this doesn't need yeah, to be it's... escalated that far. If some people don't like it, don't buy it. There was no reason that it had to get to the point where go. DC had to pull the fucking cover. And they pulled the cover. Now, to be fair, they pulled the cover because the artist of the cover, Raphael Albuquerque, uh, said, please pull this cover. So it was the artist's choice. We're not... We're not talking about editorial censorship here or a big media conglomerate going, oh, people are going to be pissed off. We should censor the art. It's not censorship. It is an artist's choice. The issue that I have here is just the fact that an artist drew a really amazing piece of art and felt compelled to pull his art back. Because because of people, you know? (sighs) Because some people were like, this upsets me. And... I've, you hit the nail right on the head. If you don't like it, don't buy it. Don't look at it. It's not that hard. It's an alternate cover. If this was the, the main cover to the book, okay, sure. I, I get where you're going with that. But in the same respect, I, this is no different than a couple years ago when Disney, or when Disney and Marvel first got together and they put Tron on all the fucking Marvel covers. And everybody was done up in like a Tron costume. Or if they decide to have a fucking Howard the Duck month. And every Howard the Duck's on every... It's an alternate cover. It doesn't matter. Move on past it. This, this cover is only here because they're doing a, a company-wide focus on the Joker. So a ton of other books are going to have Joker covers. And they might not make a lot of sense. And they might not be what's going on in the book right now. And that's fine because it's an alternate cover. It's a piece of art. If that really gets your panties in a twist that much, uh, perhaps you need to re-examine the things that matter that much to you. Well, what, what bums me out is, you know, this artist felt almost bullied to the point where he he felt compelled to take his art down. And that that makes me sad because, you know, he, he obviously he's going to think twice before he makes something now. And you know that's gonna take away from his own creative process. So I I don't know, man. I'm I'm a little bummed by this. You know, all in all, I understand what people were trying to get at, but there's other ways of you know displaying you know that you don't want to buy the book, uh, uh, that you don't like the cover by not buying the fucking cover. You don't have uh-huh. to you know th- get up in this guy's grill. And then you know you start throwing death threats around. 
he feels like he's responsible for that because he drew this cover and there's all this controversy around his cover. Of course he's going to want to take it down if people start throwing around stuff like, I'll kill you for buying this. <laughs> and, uh, which is, ju it's just such a ridiculous thing. It's, it, what makes, what makes comic books and video games and, and geeky movies and, and all of this shit great is the passion of the fan base. And I am I am a member, a card carrying member, of the Mary Marvel Marching Society. You know what I mean? Like I am I am in in there like swimwear, man. And even so, relax a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. This, this like this got a little like, crazy. Like let's just relax a little bit here, because some of the things that start to get brought up, like I've seen some stuff thrown around about how this is promoting violence against women and it's like it, people are reading way too much into this it's like it's really not it's really not promoting violence against women it's like like think of what that think of what the implication of that would be of someone saying that this comic book cover promotes violence against women this comic book cover was an homage to a story where a girl got hurt and I understand that. That doesn't promote violence against women. It's it. They're superheroes. They fight. Superheroes. Every get hurt. issue is fucking violence against women. If that's your argument, it just doesn't make any sense. No, you're you're totally I don't right, know. man. Maybe I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Maybe you're not wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're you're right. I'm not. It's it's one of those things, and. The cover is still out there. If you're listening to this and you don't know what it is, just type in uh, Backrow 41 uh, variant cover to to the Googles, and I'm sure the image will pop up because it it's the internet. Things don't ever go away. So so if you wanted this cover pulled, you didn't succeed. It just won't be able to be sold. It's just now readily available through an image search. You know, it's just kind of a kind of a silly thing to me i don't i don't really understand all that but maybe you have a different opinion hit us up geekade.com send us some emails what do you guys think about this i'm curious to see what other people think about it because the the vocal minority that happens to post on forums and whatnot are always the people that are just way extreme on left or right of this thing you know, it's it's the same thing with the Donatello being killed. Like, oh my fucking god, how could they have killed him? And you know, it's that vocal minority on the internet does not speak for everybody. So we here at GeekAid are curious as to what you, our listeners, think about this this type of thing. You know, are we wrong? Do you agree with us? Are we really smart and sexy people? Which I think we are. We try. Let us know. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it for. Uh... For yeah. all the stuff we had to talk about today. We were a little light on the books, but we brought in some other combo, so uh there's that. I think that I think that does uh kind of tie things up in a nice bow. Where is uh where is Evan this week, by the way? I didn't even mention that at the top. He, I guess that makes me a bad host. He's in Canada. He's in Canada? Canada. Love love Canada. I'm not a big fan of Canada. Oh, well, I'm not a fan of the cold, so that's why I'm not a fan of Canada. Oh, well, yeah, but maple syrup and hockey. I can get both of those down here, Dan. It's not the same though. It's not authentic. You know what? I'll I'll live. <laughs> I'll live. Uh, summer's about to roll around. Uh, and Dan, uh, I think we got some stuff coming up that you need to mention. 
we do have some stuff coming up in two weeks april 3rd fourth I believe. fourth 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 april 4th woodbury new jersey south jersey geek fest geek aid will be there paper cuts will be there stone age gamer will be there in full force come out check us out south jersey geek fest excellent convention uh it's kind of a tinier convention but what makes that really cool is that everybody is way more accessible so you can get in you can talk to some people you can buy some cool stuff you can meet us there we'll be doing some stuff on the floor come out say hi we'll sign your comic books it'll be awesome even though we had nothing to do with your comic books we'll still sign them it'll be great the then coming up in june we've got too many games which will be a little bit if we're being honest a little bit heavier focused on the stone age gamer but we'll be there as well paper cuts will be represented we'll be doing a panel there we'll be doing a live uh podcast from there we'll be out on the floor taking some questions we'll have some swag to give out that is what are the dates dean i wasn't prepared the 26th to the 28th 26th to the 28th too many games check it out online too many games.com big time convention we're very proud and very happy and very excited to be a part of too many games and then in july at the men in arena we will be there for garden state garden comic state fest. comic fest Garden State Comic Fest last year was an excellent time. Evan, our co-host, put this show together all by himself. He had no help from anyone. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, well, that's let's, probably not yeah, true. Yeah, let's not go that that's far. That's probably not true. Um, Evan is part of the team that's putting together uh, Garden State Comic Fest. It was a great time last year. Lots of really cool artists, really cool stuff that was there. Ethan Van Skyver was doing free sketches all last year. He drew me Sleepwalker. It's amazing. This year, it's going to be even bigger, even better. It's, what, three times the size of what it was last three year? Three times the size. I know Evan's got a bunch of stuff that he wants to tell us as soon as it all gets confirmed. Some some big-name artists that are going to be there. Come in, bring a sketchbook, get a sketch of the show. It's one of the coolest things you can ever do if you've never done it before. There's going to be a ton of cool stuff to buy. And again, we're going to be there. Geek Aid will be in full force. We'll be doing panels. We'll be interviewing people yeah, and we're gonna have giving some, away uh, stuff yeah, we're gonna have some fun video content too we came up with a few ideas for uh some cool videos that we're gonna put up on youtube after i think you guys are gonna enjoy it it's gonna be a great time and it's really affordable too this isn't you know this isn't like wizard world where it's 300 dollars a ticket or new york comic-con where you gotta get online and get your tickets and it sells out in three minutes because like all the you know it's just become a ridiculous thing this is about the comics. This is about the culture. That's what it's staying focused on. Do yourself a favor. Check it out. It's July 26th and 27th. Yes, sir. Men in Arena. Be there. Yeah, definitely be there. Be there or be made fun of on the internet for not being there. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we won't be nice. No, we're not nice people. No, not at all. Anyway, uh, Dan. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Yeah, yeah. So how'd I do? I, how'd I, I do as a host? I think you did good. I think you did good. Um, okay. It was it was pretty sexy. You got that uh, right. smooth baritone voice going on for you. Yeah, so, that uh, smooth nasally congested because I've been sick for two weeks. It sounded great. Voice, I love it. I love it. If you were here, I'd I'd totally make out with you. That's that's how much <laughs> I loved it. All right. Uh, it's got to be done. Yeah, you know. Got to be yeah, done. Yeah, whatever. Um. So. All right. Well, on that note. You got a thing to say? I, I normally do, yeah. Uh, if, if you want to check out the comics, uh, we'll put a link to that cover that's been so 
argued about and everything, and we'll have all our social links in the show notes. So remember to check that out. All right. That's going to do it for this week here at the Paper Cuts Podcast. Join us again next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.